Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. My name is Clay Wright, and I'm happy to be here with you for our 52nd episode of The Cutting Room Floor. And many, many, many of them, the vast majority, have been uh, me joined by Pastor Jim Minling. So, Jim, it's great to be here with you. Yeah. Uh, we've been doing this for a little, I know it's our 52nd episode and we try to do one a week as much as possible, but because of some absences and, you know, different things going on, we've actually been doing this for a little more than a year. And so, uh, I'm, uh, Time flies when you're having fun. That is certainly the case. (laughs) And actually, um, when we began this podcast, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, but we began this podcast during something called the Adventure of Trust, Mm -hmm. which was an excursion we did a little over a year ago. Mm -hmm. And in that excursion, it was all about this idea of how we can live as a trustworthy steward of all that God has entrusted to us. Yeah. And uh, that's actually what we're talking about this week as well, as we're wrapping up this excursion about uh, taking your next step in becoming more and more like Christ. So uh, it's hard to believe that the the excursion isn't quite over, uh, but this will probably be one of the last things that we produce as a church, you know, under the... Um, you know, branding of that sermon series, What's Your Next Step? So, yeah, it's been good. Um, we started working on this way back in March. Yeah, that's, and, uh, that's right. Um, no, wait, did we do the discipleship summit in January? Because that's when I first suggested it. It, it, it might, might have been earlier than that. So, yeah, so it's been, you know, 10 months. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, well, and what's been really rewarding for me, at least, is because, of course, it's fun to, to see things, you see, work on projects really hard and see them. Uh, to completion, but uh, what's been rewarding for me is is hearing people's stories and listening to them. I know, La- I totally agree. At, I've at, heard some great stories. Yes, at at a at our life group last night, we we like to have fires in my backyard whenever the weather permits. Last night, the weather did not permit. It was a little chilly <laughs> but <laughs> and I, snowy. We had, so we had our discussion inside, but I still went out and made a fire. And I asked folks to, I gave out pieces of paper and asked them to write down, you know, when you take a next step, you, you're stepping away from something and towards something. Yeah. And so write down one thing you want to step away from, one, one oh, thing cool. you want to step toward. Throw it in the fire. And we threw it, oh, we did yeah. the whole like the throw it in the fire thing. And, but, but then I gave them mm. opportunities to share one or the other and just listening to mm. the ways that they were engaging. When it was all said and done, I, I paused. And I just told them, man, thank you so much for the way that you guys are an encouragement to me yeah, and the way that you're chasing after Jesus. So it was super, super cool. We did something like that. Um, you, you must've been a kid when we did it, but we did something like that um, on a Sunday and we burned things in the front yard of the church in huh. a big barrel. I'm trying to, as in, as I, even as I'm talking about it, I'm trying to remember when was that? What was that about? But it was, it's, I'm a pyro, so it's always fun to burn oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. That's like... <laughs> You're coming over to our house tonight, and we're going to have a fire. That's right. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. I was... Oh, man. I was so surprised when it was snowing this morning. It was... Uh... It was beating snow. It was like just <laughs> wham, wham. Yeah. Uh, that, in our house, it was. Uh, and my, my house, it wasn't... It didn't seem that intense. Yeah. It was almost like but... hail. Really? Yeah. And oh. when, we went out, when I went out this morning... Um, it was like, you know, pieces of hail, really unique kind of snow, hmm. but it's gone now. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, and we're so we're thanking God this morning for the changing of seasons, I suppose. But uh, without further ado, as we're wrapping up this series, talking about being a trustworthy steward, um, one of my favorite concepts in this, and something that I really took to heart, maybe not for the first time, but one of the first times I really sat down and spent some good time on it was it, during the adventure of trust. Is this idea that? everything that we have is ultimately owned by God. Mm -hmm. And that that's sort of one of these basic principles of stewardship that yeah. God owns it. He entrusts it to us. But can, can we, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Where, where does that idea come from? Mm -hmm. What are some of the sort of theological underpinnings of that concept that, you know, we, we have things, we own things mm -hmm. and yet God is the ultimate owner and, and everything that we have has been entrusted to us. Yeah, I, I wonder how many people, you guys can let us know if you did it, I wonder how many people did the audit of mm -hmm. write down all the things that you own. Right. Uh, did anybody say to you that they'd done it? No. Yeah. So I, I asked in our life group and it was like crickets. And was like, <laughs> Joy was like, I did it. And then it was like, nobody else had done it before. And so Rats. I was like, go for it. Try it. It's yeah. really, yeah. You know, you'll be surprised. It, I think it's a remarkable thing to just mm -hmm. see all that. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's this concept of God being the owner is, I think, I did I mention that it was in Genesis as well? No, uh, no, I don't think so. I think yeah. we started in Psalm. Yeah. Yo, I know we started in Psalm 24, 1, mm -hmm. but, but as, as creator, that's where we see God as creator. So yes. he's, he's the owner of everything. Well, I was just reading something. I don't know if it was in our daily devotions or, or just studying for this week's sermon, but I came across another verse that it all belongs to you. Was that, is that Job? Did, mm -hmm. did we read that in Job? I can't remember. I think it was. I think it was, uh, uh, Job was, yeah, in either Job 28, 29, or 20, 30, or 28, 29, or 30. I think he uses that phrase, it all belongs to you. So that's a that's a concept that that the people in the Old Testament especially really, really uh, um, dwelled on and focused on and uh, and recognized. And, and then it was reiterated throughout literature, throughout the, you know, biblical literature. Are you looking in Job right now? I Do you am. you see it? I don't... Was it, was it when he was talking about look, searching out wisdom? Could have been. That's 28. Um, hmm. But um, uh, that's, that's language that, that David uses as well. I know in First Chronicles, there's that passage where he says, you know, who are we? That we would be able to give you the, all of these, you know, give you this this offering, give you this kind of a, 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 an offering for the temple. You know, everything we have belongs to you. Yeah. Uh, so it just it just shows up in, in language, and I think it's just really important for us to kind of keep that in the back of our mind. Everything belongs to God, and you know, will I be a good steward of that? Mm -hmm. um, just like I tell young men sometimes. Remember that the girl you're dating, she's the daughter of God. That's she, right. She belongs to God. Yeah. And so it's just, it's helpful just to kind of keep it my, ooh, I better, you know, treat this woman right. I better treat this girl right. Mm -hmm. She's God's daughter. Yes. Um, and that's, that's a helpful perspective to, to keep when all the stuff that we, we spend sometimes without even mm -hmm. ever thinking about, you know, we're, we're followers of Jesus. We belong to God. Let's, you know, let's, let's act like it. Yeah. That one of the questions that they, they, they taught me to ask when studying the Bible is, 
when you when you distill a principle in scripture, ask yourself, how would my life be different if mm. I actually believed that this was true? That's good. If I was totally sold on this, if I lived concept. it out, yeah, yeah. And uh, that that question came up as as I've been talking about this sermon with folks. Mm-hmm. Would it make a difference in your life if you truly believed that, for for instance, that that gal was a daughter of the King of the Universe? Mm-hmm. How would that change how you interact with her? And then what does that surface to you about? Yeah, so maybe some some things that are out of order in your in your spirit yeah um, and same thing more broadly you know how w- would I spend my money differently if I truly believed that it was God's money yeah would I you know and so on and so forth you can go through all well, sorts of then there's things. the old thing you know, what would you would you be watching this movie right now if Jesus were sitting right next to you you know <laughs> would you be engaging in this activity yeah. right now if Jesus was standing right next to you um, so th- those are all good actually good things to think about because yes. he is with mm-hmm. us right and, and yeah, that's uh, even Paul uses that as an impetus to uh, kind of pointedly speak to people. And I think it's in the Corinthian church saying, you know, your body is a temple of the Holy yeah. Spirit. So how can you join that temple to a prostitute? To a prostitute? Right. Like, do you recognize that what you're doing is grieving the Holy Spirit yeah. who's who's in you? Yeah. I remember the first time someone brought that teaching to my attention and I was like, oh man, that's, yeah. that, that's and, a way, a whole new. And you probably didn't think this, but that's a stewardship teaching. Mm-hmm. Paul was using a stewardship principle. Absolutely. You, you belong to God. So honor God with your body. Stewardship. Yeah. Yeah. And so this idea of God as creator, another question that at least I've had over the years is, um, you know, we, we can say that. And we believe that God entrusts things to us. Mm -hmm. But I think there's a really interesting why question behind that. Why would God entrust something Mm. to us when he could Mm -hmm. steward it more appropriately himself? (laughs) You know, in some ways we're, you know, in in America, we're so tuned into efficiency. And so we think, why would he delegate it to someone who's sinful and broken and tempted to use it for his own good, all these sorts of things. So why does God entrust things to us? I have so many why questions about, about God. Um, To me, it all comes back to, to God gets glory Mm -hmm. when his creation um, fulfills its purpose. And so we were created to glorify God. Mm -hmm. Well, how do we glorify God by uh, becoming more like Christ by fulfilling his purpose for us and, uh, specifically in this conversation, you know, God put humans on earth to steward the earth. That's one of the things that we didn't talk yeah. about very much is the environment, how right. being good stewards of the environment. That's where the Bible starts, yeah, you know, with, with stewardship is is how we can be stewards of our environment. And so from the very beginning, God says, you know, I, I made you in my image. Uh, so you are relational because I'm relational. You're stewards because I'm owner. You know, so much of our, so many of our roles actually find their definition and meaning in relationship to God. So, uh, if if He's Creator, we're created. You know, that's that's just a, a clarity a clarity of relationship. If mm-hmm. He's Savior, we're the saved. If if He's Owner, we're the stewards. And yeah. so, the Bible starts off talking about that way, talking that way, and uh, that becomes the why. God Himself is the why because mm-hmm. He. He created us to glorify him. And, you know, as John Piper says, you know, God gets the most glory when we most mostly enjoy him. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, living out stewardship, and this is a good thing for people to recognize is that stewardship is not, oh, I, it all belongs to God. You know, I have to make sure I tithe and <laughs> I have to make sure I give God mm-hmm. back his due. You know, it's kind of a, uh, this is what I have to do. Then you don't understand stewardship. 
Mm. You know, and instead it's uh, look at all God's given to me. That's right. And you know, what a joy this is, what a privilege this is. And I want to be a good steward of what he's done because I love him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I tell a story in, in my book about what a bad steward I was with my dad's car. <laughs> and, you know, I had, I didn't even enter my mind as a high school student. You know, I knew the car belonged to dad, but, you know, he, I was the principal driver. And so I just kind of began to believe that it's my car. Mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I'm, when I began to think about this, and I think I, I wrote in my book, even as I'm writing this, or actually it wasn't like this, it was typing. Even as I'm typing this, this I'm, I'm like embarrassed <laughs> at how I treated a car that did not belong to mm-hmm. me. And I'm like, oh, just kind of shuddering at some of the things I did in that yeah. car. Um, but how much, how much better it is to, to be able to come back to dad and say, you know, Hey, I was a good steward yeah. of, of the car. Thanks for letting me use the car, dad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I washed it and I, you know, I took care of it. Yeah. And this is, I'm there, there, are, I think there really are different visions that people have when it comes to those different images, you know, there's the image of, and, and even the Bible uses this image. So it's not necessarily a bad image, but of a manager coming back and checking in on things. Mm-hmm. Hey, how's it going? Sure. And that's more of a, uh, a warning, maybe kind of. Way How many of stories about did it. Jesus tell along those lines? Multiple oh, yeah. ones. And I think that I think that's a good warning because it raises. You know, it's it's funny at the end of the life group questions. One of the one of the questions said something along the lines of, you know if God was going to give you an honest assessment of how good of a stewardship or how good of a steward you've been, would you want to see the results? <laughs> and basically everyone was like, absolutely not. <laughs> and and it's, it's reflecting this, like we, we know that we fail in this area, yeah. but, and that's, that's that idea of, you know, getting called into the principal's office, sort of a deal brings that up in you. And yet I don't think that that's the only image that we could appropriately think of, you know, as we were talking about it and as you were, as you were, sharing i thought of um you know in, in christmas time how they have the salvation army people with ringing the bells mm-hmm. and sometimes you'll see like a dad and his with a family walking into the store see it from a long way off and crouch down reach into his pocket pull out his wallet and give 10 bucks to his, his to his little kid yeah. five-year-old kid and say why don't you go over there mm-hmm. and and give it to the person yeah. you know here's the dad's entrusting the money to the kid in mm-hmm. order to use it for the good of people and you know sort of for the glory of the family i guess you could say but um and i think that's i don't know maybe that's a, that's another appropriate way to think about it that god is entrusting things to us for a purpose that mm-hmm. we could leverage it that we could use it mm-hmm. and that this sort of puts it in a relational context where you know as opposed to the 5 year old running off and buying candy with it <laughs> uh it, you know he's it's flowing through him yeah. and not necessarily just to him and stopping well, there's purpose in, in what God God gives us yeah. for a purpose. That's why I love the idea of entrusting versus God just giving it. Yeah. Um, with, with that entrusting, there is a purpose in mind, and that's to honor God, to bless people. Right. Um, and not not that we can't use what God's given us to, for ourselves. You know, First Timothy six talks about you know we're to enjoy what God's given us, and mm-hmm. uh, God's given us all th- good things to enjoy. So that's you know. For sure, let's 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 enjoy that. Sometimes people think of stewardship, or they think of Christianity as this being a big prude. You know, <laughs> uh-huh. that God just wants us to be miserable. Mm-hmm. And then, so you know, there's these extremes of you know, you're so you're, yeah. you're you're more of a prude than a Puritan. You know, on one extreme, and then the other extreme, you know, you're this hedonist who's using everything, you know, just for your own pleasure. Um, yeah. 
That's why John Piper's book, Christian Hedonism, is, is such a great title because it's just those words don't go together. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The way most people talk about, you know, enjoying God. Mm-hmm. And I've always, I've always liked that. I, yeah, I, I think that's, that's, that's a really good and helpful teaching because I absolutely think that people have a lot of, well, it's, it's hard because America is such a self centered oriented yes. culture and we love what we love and we mm-hmm. love having fun. Mm-hmm. I want to, get home and watch the game. I want to get home and do things that are, that I enjoy. And so it's so easy to be swept into that. And yet there, there really is, I, I just had a conversation about this recently with, with some friends. Uh, we were doing a book study on that, that book, uh, you're only human, which I've brought up several times on the podcast, mm-hmm. but it, it touches on this idea of, man, do I have to give up me when I follow Christ? Mm-hmm. And a part of the me that it, ta- that addresses is this idea of, things that you enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, passions that you have, mm-hmm. hobbies that you have. And I was like, man, I always feel, you know, yeah, I feel like we don't hardly ever positively talk about hobbies or things that can be enjoyed just for the sake of enjoying them. Yeah. Um, I, I like to, because you know, the Bible does this too, I like to compare uh, my relationship with my wife. You know, I'm, uh, imagine me, you know, just taking the money that, that we earn and I'm spending it on myself, spending it on myself. And then I come back to Andrea and I'm like, okay, now that I'm with you, we have to be bored. We, <laughs> we have to be, you know, we have to be, you know, so overly frugal <clears throat> that we can't have any fun. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I leave her presence, then I go, I have my fun again. Cause you know, I go do this or that. And, and when I'm by myself, I'm just having such a good time. But when I get back with her, okay, you know, I, I got to be a good steward of my money. I mean, mm-hmm. no one, no one wants to be in a marriage like that, but right. that's how we treat God. It's like, you know, when I want to go do something fun, I kind of leave God behind because God's not fun. And the idea of leaving God out is if God's a killjoy. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I say that, there are some people I'm sure who do think that God is a killjoy. And they have a hard time imagining, you know, God laughing, God, you know, and this is why one of the reasons I love The Chosen, because right. it pictures Jesus laughing yep. and enjoying himself. Mm-hmm. The scene at the wedding, you know, is absolutely so, it's good anthropology it's good theology it's it's good christology yeah um uh because you know god is a god who well zephaniah says god is a god who dances over us mm-hmm. and smiles over us i think a lot of us uh really need to to imagine god that way more mm-hmm. uh, that we can honor him and glorify him um in a by by enjoying his creation enjoying um, using the money that we've made to to help somebody to, or to you know enjoy ourselves that right. God that, that actually can be a good thing. Yeah, um, I hope that makes sense to people. Absolutely, and I think again, thinking of it more as stewardship in the context of relationship, uh, as a, you know, in addition to stewardship in sort of like a managerial mm-hmm. type of or like a, almost like a workplace yeah. business type of environment that that helps me because you know like you've said i god uh especially for you know you brought up john piper's desiring god if we're going to take seriously that the chief end of man is to uh glorify, glorify god, god and enjoy him forever that last part or to <laughs> to glorify god this is john piper's edit by enjoying him forever mm-hmm. um that you know all, all of life can be an enjoyment of god I think this is one place that artists have like a little bit of a leg or creatives in general have mm. a leg up on yeah. the rest of us. And I, I enjoy being creative. I'm not a, you know, very talented artist. I love music, but, um, you know, our artists get to 
play with the created order mm-hmm. differently than those yeah. the rest of us do. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I was talking with uh, one of the Oberlin uh, College Fellowship students that is attending our Leary campus, who is a great piano player. Mm. And I was I was talking with him about how Aiden? Uh, no it, well Aiden's awesome but I was talking with Sammy okay All right. he, and he was playing, I, mean, I haven't heard him play I I, he, I asked him to take me to a practice room because all I right was, and, and he's, he's that good huh? oh yeah fantastic <laughs> and awesome we were just chatting about how isn't it cool like in some ways when I'm as a preacher I'm you know mining the depths of God's word to try to demonstrate to people what God is like mm-hmm. and then you know God but God has revealed himself as well in creation differently but he has revealed himself and so in the principles that govern music and sound waves and all these sure, sorts of things sure. there's there's something really really good uh in all of that and that you can express about god in music mm-hmm. even even that doesn't have lyrics you know you can you can pull things out of people with music that's yeah. one of the you know really uh, and, cool things about and it i like to remind people that god you know in, invented music he created yes. music and, and it was that passage in, in either genesis or exodus i think it's exodus that jubal it was the father of music mm-hmm. you know so we get our word jubilation from that that's uh, right uh, that that's that's a gift that god gave that person i think it is genesis and you know all these beginnings. Well, there's the beginning of music. Yeah, and yeah. sometimes people make it sound like somehow the devil invented music. <laughs> yeah, well, the, uh, well, I took an American religious history class, and we talked about the song that says, "Why does the devil have all the good music?" Do you know who wrote that song? I don't. Larry Norman. <laughs> okay. I warmed up. To, my band warmed warmed up for him. Really? In the in the seventies. You know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. He, he's the father of rock of Christian rock. Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. Why does yeah. the devil have all the good music? Yeah, it's uh, but yeah, I think for for a long time, it's yeah, yeah. Some sometime we'll have to have a whole conversation about the development of music and because for a long time the church was, uh, the one who was you know they they were the patrons of and, oh like, sure know, music was being created all the best art was being mm. done in oh, churches my. by churches absolutely and uh, I think that's that's a really good reflection of how God has entrusted things to creation to, mm-hmm. to people and how we can reflect that back to him. Oh, you read, you read about Bach, Johann Sebastian mm-hmm. Bach and how he did all his creation music to the glory of God. And yeah. Dedicated this to God. I mean, it was very much an act of worship for him. Oh yeah. 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 Actually, yeah. Sammy, who's a classic, he's a classical music. Mm-hmm. That's what he's studying. He was talking about how playing Bach is really an experience for him because he can like, I don't, he, he just connects with it and he mm-hmm. can feel what's very going cool. on with the composer. Wow. And, wow. Yeah. He's a, he, he, it's a really, really cool conversation. He's a fun but, guy. I, I remember meeting him. So when we think about uh, all these things that God has entrusted to us, you have, uh, that hinge question or that critical question is, uh, and you, you actually, you, you said this in your sermon, I'll read the quote. Uh, everything in your Christian life rises and falls on how well you can trust God. Mm. Um, so oh. there, there's this critical question about, how how can you trust God and how well can you trust God? And that demonstrates or that in some ways determines how, kind of how the West, the rest of the way that you live out your Christian life rises and falls. So can you unpack that a little yeah, bit? That was not in my manuscript. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's something that, that came to me in, on the spot. But I'd like to believe that was God yeah. insp- inspiring me. Um, but I, whether it was God or whether it was me remembering some theological concept, um, I believe it. You know, yeah. I I just absolutely believe it. So whether you're talking about you know the entrance into the kingdom of God, what that's an act of trust. Mm-hmm. And so you cannot even be a Christian. You can't 
being you can't have a relationship with God if you don't trust him. So mm-hmm. there's the first, you know, thing. But then from there it's just opening up a whole relationship of trust. Yeah. And if you either because you don't know God or because you have a caricature of God or because you've been poorly taught about who God is, mm-hmm. If you have a, a, a significant misunderstanding of God or a, a misunderstanding of God's character, why would you trust him? So, you know, so let's say you think God is angry. Well, I, I'm, I'm not going to trust him. I'm going to fear him, but I'm not going to trust him. Right. Um, and or if you have this idea that God is a capricious, um, unpredictable God. And, well, God is unpredictable. <laughs> from a human reasoning, but yeah, yeah, but he is not an unreasonable God. He's there's a, there's tons of logic and reason in all that God does, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but if you have this idea that he's he's capricious and moody, and mm-hmm. um, why would you trust a God like that? So, as you enter into the kingdom by trust, by faith, then as you grow, that's all going to be based upon your trust. And so, as you get to know God. I've sometimes said to know him is to love him, mm-hmm. to love him is to trust him. Yeah. So as you develop that relationship, trusting becomes, can I say, easier because you know him. So he's proved himself. And mm. don't yeah. we sing a song about you make it easy to trust. Yeah, him. that's a that's a great line Yeah. Uh, because of God's faithfulness, because of his track record, but also because he invites us into relationship. And as we mm-hmm. you know, uh, get to know him and he proves himself again and again. It's like, yeah, God, you have a perfect track record. You've never failed me yet. There's another song, you know. That's right. And so uh, he proves himself. He becomes more and more trustworthy in our eyes. Not that he becomes that way in character, but in our eyes, mm-hmm. we find him more and more trustworthy. And yeah. and so I, my relationship with him blossoms because I trust him more. And my prayer life is all based upon trust. You know, do I bring this topic to God to talk about? Do I bring this prayer request? Do I bring this fear, this concern, this anxiety? Well, not if I don't trust him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, do I trust God with the outcome of this? Or do I have to take control of it myself? Right. It's all trust. I mean, just, the yeah. more you talk about it, mm-hmm. you know, what a miserable life for a Christian. I think I'm, I'm thinking of Galatians 3 Christians. Mm-hmm. Of, for a Christian to then try to make life happen and to make life work, like make life work and to um, make sure that everything happens the way I want it to yes. because I can't trust God. I only trust myself. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a major problem. That's, gonna, that's going to um, atrophy your relationship. It's going to stagnate. And there's another word I'm looking for that's like stops it. Um, like an obstacle. What's the word? Stunts it. Um, stunts our growth with yeah. God. Mm-hmm. So... And and then let's talk about not just growing, but let's talk about the the frontiers of growth, where where you're just really exploring God's character, and you begin to fall in love with mm. with who He is more and more. There's this, you know, oh, it's so easy to trust you because you've you've you. I know who you are, you know. Mm. Uh, we read in in the Psalms. I read in the Psalms recently, Psalm nine, ten. You know, you um, something about. I, I just lost it now. You, you know. You, those who seek you know those who oh, I just lost it. I was the tip of my tongue. Uh, those who seek you know you, um, and the, the the joy of look it up. Look it up. Nine ten. Yeah, look up Psalm nine ten. 
Um, uh, those who know your name trust in you. For yeah. you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. That, that, that's a much better version of what I was saying. <laughs> read, it, read it again. <laughs> those who know your name trust in you. Mm. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. Isn't that a great verse? Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, so that's... Uh, I've proven that verse to be true in my own life about God. He, he just is so faithful and um, I, I trust him. I trust him. Yeah. And so what's interesting, so I'm, I'm reading Psalm nine two two or three verses later, verse 13, it says, Lord, see how my enemies persecute me, mm. have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death that I may declare your praises. And then uh, verse 15, the nations have fallen into the pit they have dug. Uh, but the uh, what I was curious about is a lot of times in the Psalms, you have these extremely triumphal statements like mm. that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and yet the Psalms are also famously uh, complex mm-hmm. and, and, you know, provide a, a glimpse into the whole human experience. And so... Even as we talk about, because I agree with you, for me, I find that line, the word I would use to describe the line, uh, you make it easy to trust you is challenging mm. because I know it's true that trusting God should be easy, mm. but I find it difficult. Um, and so I'm, I've got several years to go before <laughs> I, <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but yeah. That's another question, especially, you know, in my, in my life group where, where a lot of us are younger folks trying to, you know, just getting into our careers, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked a little bit about that question in the life group questions that said, is there anything that God owns that it's harder to, to let him have? Yeah. So things in your life that, that, you know, are yours, but you really struggle to give over to him. Yeah. I love that question. We did that question last night too. And then it gives you the answer, right? Yeah. There. It's yeah. like, whoops. Yeah. 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 <laughs> my kids, my money, my whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, like most of the things, you know, <laughs> but, um, I, I think we, it, it sometimes is difficult to trust. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, as we were having that conversation, I, I brought up, you know, like, have you, has anybody ever read Job? Like Job, Job is a guy who lived, you know, by by the words of Scripture, lived a completely blameless. righteous life, blameless. Yeah. yeah it's so a he wild word to well, use. You know, what's happening to him was not a result of his mm-hmm. bad behavior. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the result of you know. It, it it the story is set up such that he doesn't deserve what's happening to right. him. Is <clears throat> kind of one of the premises, and and yet, um, you know. None of us want to have a, a, the kind of life that Job led. <laughs> no thanks. Not you know what I mean. So, it, no. but it's you know that prospect for for some makes it difficult. It's like, man, God, can I really trust you? Because and what that surfaces is the fact that when when you have priorities that are rivaling the priority to bring glory to God, mm-hmm. then uh, yeah, that's that may be dangerous to you and to to what you think your life should be like because God is willing to, to remove those other priorities mm-hmm. so that you can honor Christ with your life. But that, that removing those other priorities feels really terrible um, <laughs> because I've, they're, they're my priorities. They're, right. they're things that I, I love. Do that. They're, yeah. they're idols, you know, yeah. things that I, things that I want. And so it's like, man, can I trust God? You know, what, what, what will God, you know, will he take away the things that I, you know, that that vie for my affection mm. alongside of him. 
and, and think about our, our core Christ-like characteristic in light of this conversation. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, can I trust God? Is God trustworthy? But the core Christ-like characteristic is, am I a trustworthy steward? Yeah. And, you know, why would God dare to entrust to me? Because I'm not faithful like he is. I'm not trustworthy, at least not all the time. Sometimes I am, mm-hmm. sometimes I'm not. And it's it's actually pretty amazing that God would entrust us knowing our track record. Right. And yet we don't trust him when he has a perfect track record. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a yeah. funny way of, of putting it. And I think some of that reminds me of situations like the story of Gideon, where God gets glory when he does the impossible through mm-hmm. his people. Mm-hmm. And so when he does the impossible, like ministering to someone or like making something out of nothing, you know, yeah. uh, providing where, you know, apart from God acting, there was no way that this thing that you know, was going to be provided for, Amen. you know, he gets the glory for that. Right. And he, but he loves to use us, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the midst of that. I, I picture God smiling, mm-hmm. you know, just like a father, you know, um, you know, we've, when, when these days you'll take your 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 son or your your daughter out to to McDonald's and you'll give them French fries. I don't know if that'll ever have to happen in your family, but I actually uh, have done that once with okay. Arden before. <laughs> does, does, does Joy know about this? Do we need to? Yes, no. She edit knew. this part she out. Knew. No, yeah. This is uh, she. She will not be surprised at because this. Andrea wasn't happy when I, when when she found out I had taken Ryan, our firstborn, <laughs> to McDonald's. But I'm like, well, this has to happen. Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, you know, you give him a bunch of fries, and you know. One, I've been one particular time. Uh, I can't. I guess I can't remember whether this was Ryan and I, or whether it was some other father telling this story, because it doesn't seem like my son, mm-hmm. as I'm starting to tell it. But you know, the, the father reached over for the fry, and the the son was like, "You know, those are my fries." You know? <laughs> and it's like, you know, it, running through the father's mind is like, I could, I could buy so many fries, I could bury you in fries <laughs> right now, you know, uh, and also I could take away. You couldn't stop me if I wanted yeah, to take yeah. away that bag from you, you know, but how much joy, how, how often is for the father to buy that for his kid, mm-hmm. his son or his daughter, and for them to enjoy it, to say, thank you, dad. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, you get pleasure out of giving gifts to your children <laughs> and them enjoying it. Yes. Uh, but it's just a funny thing. of the, You know, you're my fries. Yeah, <laughs> it's this, like, well. <laughs> this is why I'm not allowed to do the grocery shopping or run the errands at Target because I... Gifts is my top love language, and so I'm like, I'm always like, oh, Arden would like that. Oh, Nathaniel needs one of those, and I just like, Joy's Joy's Joy handles the books much more. Yeah, that's funny. There's a great story from our my relationship with Andrea, where we were sitting in front of an Aldi store, and uh, she was uh, doing something on the phone, and, and I said, you know, I'll just go in and get the stuff, mm-hmm. and she's like, no, <laughs> I, I, I don't want you to go in there by yourself. Because right. I buy too much stuff. And oh, I, yeah. And I was supposed to go in there and buy 10 things. I come back with a, a cart full of stuff. And oh, yeah, like, that's classic. We don't need that. We don't need that. I'm just like, she's like, you're not going in there by yourself. Yeah. I, we laugh about it. it was the Aldi in Oberlin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, we, we have uh, very similar conversations <laughs> at our house. But So when, when we're thinking about tr- trusting God with our lives and being trustworthy stewards, mm-hmm. Uh, and, espe- and especially, you know, one of the big elements of this does have to do with our financial resources. Sure. Of course, that, that's not the only thing that no. being a trustworthy no. steward is about. It's one component of it. And yet, you know, as, as, we, as we've uh, talked about before, um, 
you know, Jesus spends a lot of time talking about money. People are surprised to hear that mm -hmm. Jesus talks more about money than he talks about prayer. Yep. And he talks more about money than he talks about some other significant kingdom realities. Exactly. Yeah. And, and you, you shared on Sunday how part of the reason for that is that God knows uh, our hearts mm -hmm. and he knows how significant money is to us, mm -hmm. what it, what it does to our hearts and our minds. And so he wants to teach us to trust him. And so mm -hmm. he asks us to return mm -hmm. to trust him with our finances. And there's kind of a, a couple of questions on this idea, because number one, I think one of the, especially in America, one of the uh, aims or, or goals for our life that can compete with the glory of God in our hearts is this goal of prosperity. Mm -hmm. And there are some teachings in the scriptures about money that, or, or about trusting God that seem like they promise prosperity. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, even, even, uh, let me see that in, in Malachi 3.10, you know, when we're talking about returning the tithes to the storehouse, mm -hmm. you know, test God in this for, you know, he will pour out in abundance. Right. Um, you know, that, that seems like, you know, if you are a formula writing person, yeah. uh, <clears throat> okay, so I return the tithe, you know, plus way to go using the know, word return. Yeah. Way, I, yeah. Way to go. Way to go. I, I return the tithe. <laughs> and then, you know, it's like an if then statement, if I return the tithe, then God will pour out crazy blessing and I'll be, you know, and yeah. we interpret that as prosperity and, you know, I'll have a great 401k, so on and so forth. And, and yet, um, is it that simple? Mm -hmm. Is is that part of God's aim for our life? Is that all Christians will just be, yeah. uh, you know, independently wealthy? It's it's so easy. There are multiple places in the Bible that there's the temptation to turn it into a formula. It, right. it just seems formulaic. And of course, the reason why we want it to be formulaic is because I, I want to be assured this helps me be in control. I want to be assured that if I'm going to do this, then this is going to happen. And if I can't be assured of that, then I don't want to do it. I'm seizing control. That right there is an example of lack of trust. I that's that, that's where that's why money is so insidious because money <laughs> does give me control. Mm -hmm. I can choose if if I want one of those <clears throat> things. It, when I'm in control, I go and I buy it, and now I have it. Right. You know, I I I did it. But if I have to trust God then he may say, well, let's wait on that. Well, I don't want to wait. You know, I have, if trusting takes me out of the driver's seat yeah. and it takes me out of being in control. And that's one of our biggest <clears throat> struggles. And that's actually a really good, um, uh, you know, not necessarily a definition, but it's, it gets at the heart and soul of what sin is all about. Mm -hmm. Sin is about independence. It's about me seizing control. It's about me only taking care of or thinking about myself and not wanting to trust someone else. And so and that's, that's a much more a, a biblical understanding of what sin is than just committing an act. Right. And sin is not so much the act we commit. It's the, it's the re rebellious heart that I want to be in charge. Mm -hmm. I want to be in control. Yeah. And likewise, uh, becoming a Christian is not saying the right words. It's that, it's that heart surrender. I'm really, surrendering control of my life. That's what brings about conversion. And mm -hmm. sometimes we, we even turn conversion into a formula, don't we? Yep. You know, because there are some verses that sound formulaic. And so, you know, <laughs> it's just, we, we, we just need to keep coming back to let God be God, you know, let him mm -hmm. be in charge. And, and that creates a sense of, um, discomfort, mm. especially if we're early in our relationship with God, 
And and yet those are the steps we need to take if we're going to learn to trust him. I'm I'm chuckling to myself because I'm thinking about verses that can be easily turned into formulas and prosperity kind of teachings mm. and Luke six, which we're about to dive back into yeah, with, yeah. you know, so I, if, if, if people are, are thinking about, you know, this concept, want to hear more, you won't have to wait very long because <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going to be diving back into uh, the gospel of Luke here. Yeah. Starting I think the Sunday. one you're talking about is like, like six, six, 18 and no, six, 18, uh, you know, given, it will be given to you, pressed down. And that's the verse you're thinking about. Well, I, I'm even thinking about, uh, you know, Blessed are the poor because theirs oh. is the kingdom of God. You know, it's okay. Like yeah, these we're talking of, about that this Sunday. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was trying to hint at it without <laughs> getting too specific, but you know, these ideas that uh, you know, how, how should we think about poverty and wealth in the world today? Because you know, and I'm sure you'll get into this on Sunday, but uh, for a long time, people thought that the independently wealthy were blessed. Yeah, they were blessed. That they, was the they sign were, of blessing. Yeah, that, that's that's what it looks like to be a, a real uh, follower of God. And there are, oh, I'm, I'm going to show some of these passages this Sunday. There are some Old Testament passages that can lead you to believe that. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and examples above, like Abraham, you know, very sure. wealthy because yep. he, he was a friend of God. So. Or even, you know, uh, is it, uh, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Mm-hmm. Meditate on it day Joshua. and night so you'll be careful to do everything written in it. Then mm-hmm. you'll be prosperous and successful. Yeah. Yep. You know, these are, yep. Okay, so God, you, you you want us to be prosperous and successful, right? And Or and even, you know, when we think about the wisdom literature as a genre mm-hmm. and the whole book of Proverbs, many of the principles in, in the book of Proverbs are written so that it will go well with you, so yeah. that you can... You know, yeah. be successful. I'm going to look at a proverb this Sunday, Proverbs 30. Look it up, Proverbs 30. Um, it's not a very popular proverb, but I think it might have been uh, actually behind some of the things that Jesus was saying. Uh, read Proverbs 30, verse 8 and 9. Let's see, it says, uh, Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal. And so dishonor the name of my God. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit this Sunday. Interesting. Uh, it, it, was that behind some of the things that Jesus was saying, blessed are the poor mm-hmm. uh, and woe to the rich. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, well, that's next week. Right. That, that is next week. <laughs> yeah, but, but suffice it to say, you know, I, I think this is, this is definitely an area that we as, as Americans, I, I don't think we can spend too much time reconsidering it and and searching our heart about. No, I agree. Because um, because whether you're, you know, whether you whether you consent, consider yourself independently independently wealthy or not, um, we are all bitten with the American dream. Absolutely, bug. Oh, and it's reinforced constantly mm-hmm. everywhere you turn. Yeah, there's no escape from it, even in church. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's a, it's um, it's insidious as we'd use that word before because mm-hmm. it's so sneaky. But, um, you know, was it was it John? Cal- I always get John Calvin and Martin Luther confused on this quote that the the heart is an idol factory. I, I think it's Calvin. I think it is Calvin. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's such a brilliant phrase, and it fits this whole yeah. idea here: is that I I am tempted to make money into an idol so quickly. Mm-hmm. And if I don't, I'll make possessions into an idol. I can manufacture some other kind of idol. But, you know, as we were talking about before, money does bring me 
a certain level of satisfaction and actually can can buy me a certain level of of pleasure that lasts for a short while and so i see that and i'm like you know that money will give me that so you know of course there's that that verse in the bible about money can't buy me love you know that that verse no i don't i don't i've not heard that it's the beatles Oh, is it? Okay. The, yeah. I get the Beatles and the Bible mixed up, you know. I have I have heard some comedians talk about, you know, money can't buy happiness, but it can buy you a jet ski. And have you ever seen someone frowning on a jet ski? Like that kind of an idea. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's this concept that there is pleasure to, mm-hmm. to be had money in can, the world. Money you know? can buy a lot of that. Yeah. But it, it, the Beatles are right. It can't buy you love. Mm-hmm. It also can't buy you fulfillment. And it certainly can't buy you a purpose in life and uh, the deep kind of satisfaction that comes with living out your purpose and that, that God created you for. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that's part of the temptation. That's part of the formula. That's part of the allure. Mm-hmm. That's part of the, the seduction of money and a materialistic society. It, yeah. You know, it's just like that. You, you ever imagine a, a commercial where people are drinking a beer or smoking a cigarette or, uh, you know, doing something that they're trying to sell and they're frowning and miserable. You know, of course not. You know, <laughs> their, their teeth are gleaming. Their, their, their clothes are perfect. Yeah, their bodies yeah, yeah. are perfect. They're the ep- epitome of health, you know, and joy and, and pleasure and, and laughter. And that's the good life. You know, we just get bombarded with that mm-hmm. left and right. Yeah. I was recently speaking to a group of middle school students and, uh, I, we were, I was, uh, teaching out of first Peter. And it says, it talks about because your hope is fully set on Christ, uh, move away from the passions of your flesh. Mm-hmm. And the, the message translation says something along the lines of, uh, you know, stop doing the things that just make you feel good. You know, you didn't know any better then, but you mm-hmm. do know better now. Mm-hmm. And I was encouraging them to think about how the, the culture would really love for you to do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. There's, so many people trying oh. to fight to just give you the opportunity to just do whatever it is you want to do mm-hmm. and flee from that. Yeah. I have you, have you ever uh, heard about Jeffrey Bezos? Who's the, the guy who like created Amazon and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. What made him so successful was that he was a hundred percent. The only value was the customer mm-hmm. and customer customer experience. Mm-hmm. And he, in some ways, epitomizes this cultural trend that it's all if we we just have to please the consumer. Mm-hmm. So it turns us into these <laughs> p- people where everything is designed for us, mm-hmm. and so you know, we're the center. We we can freak out at a store, and the people have to just kind of you know deal with it because we're the customer, yeah. and we're the we're the sovereign ones, yeah. and they they're they're all trying to please us as as opposed to the other way around. That's that's why I love. The, the some of the lyrics of the that new song we've been singing about more like Jesus. Oh yeah, the, the, remember the what's the first verse? Um, you know, I've been told to live my own truth. Keep going. Do whatever makes me feel good. Get bit of get rid of boundaries. The rules are stifling. So good. The chase uh, pleasures that soul will be gone. But I found myself more lost than ever. Yeah. And uh, this enslaved. ain't freedom. Yeah. All, all those. Yeah. All those sorts so, of things. Such, such good lyrics that mm-hmm. this really describe the age we yeah. live in. Maybe better than just about any other song I can think of mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not t- typical lyrics you find in worship songs. Right. But I like it because it's exposing my idolatry. It's exposing the lies of the yeah. culture that I yeah. live in. And it's ex- exalting God and saying, no, 
uh, I, I'm not going to follow that path. It, and I'm going to lift to be more like Christ. It's it's actually a very powerful song, mm-hmm. and it's one of, it's one of that and and just the melody line. That's one of the reasons <laughs> I love the song. Right, so good. And and yet, we, oh, go ahead. We need to be reminded of those things in preaching, in in some of the songs we sing. Yeah, um, it's the it's like the old Greek um, story about the uh, siren song. Oh know? yeah, it's so alluring and it's just oh man. Every culture has their siren songs. And yeah. We have, we, first of all, we have to recognize that they are siren songs. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, we have to go, okay, I, I got to deal with that. And you know, the, the, the story the si- about the sirens, yeah, you know, putting your ears in and yeah. one guy's like, I'm going to solve it by trying to, you know, um, float away or plug my ears. And who's the hero who says, no, I'm going to hire musicians to play a more beautiful song. I can't remember. Cause I love but... that's to me is the, it's like, that's the gospel. Mm-hmm. I want to be so captivated by the beauty of God and the music that comes from, you know, knowing God that that drowns out the allure and the siren songs of mm-hmm. sin. That's and right. It's so good. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And that's, uh, yeah, that is really, I think really it's beautiful. A, a, um, Odysseus. A, Odysseus. I, I it think. could be uh, like a part of the, the Odyssey. I think so. I'm not sure. No. But uh, yeah, it is a Greek mythology. Yeah, there's. Um, I'm trying to remember who was it that wrote that. Uh, you, you want maybe it wasn't a classical writer, but I I recently heard a quote that was something along the lines of, you know, I want to be able to present Christianity in such a way that it's so good that people wish it were true, and mm-hmm. then they find out that it is. That sounds like a C.S. Lewis quote. It, it does sound like a Lewis <laughs> quote. But, um, I, there, you know, Christian. Christ, this is one of the things I love about Christianity is that it it. I believe presents the most compelling view of reality mm-hmm. and that as Christians, we're not trying to wish away reality work. We're, we're enabled to be totally committed to it because yeah. we can embrace the, the darkness because we have a hope in Christ. And this is why I love so much that Jesus lived on earth for three years. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to, right. he could have come down, did some teaching. I said, let's get out of here. You know, as if, you know, this, we need to, this is the goal is to get out of this planet, to get, mm. you know, get out of this world. No, he, he lived among us and walked among us and, and showed us the abundant life and said, this is what I've come to give you. Yeah. And we've twisted that to be something else. Yeah. Uh, it, it's significant to, I don't know if you, people have ever thought about this, but it's significant that Jesus lived on earth. He didn't have an escapist mentality. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to get out of here. That's right. Uh, and that's the way so, when so many times Christianity gets taught, you know, eat like that song, I'll fly away. I, I, I hate that song. Um, it's become such an escapist song for people. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people like it, but to me, it feels like, you know, uh, I'm so focused on getting out of here that I'm not living the life that God's called me to live. Right. And I, and I understand where some of that comes from to some extent, because sure. Jesus does say, I'll go and prepare a place for you. Yes. And yet, you know, what we see in Revelation is that new place coming down out of heaven into into earth and as things are renewed. And also that song has a lot more meaning to a person who's suffering horribly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, come on, when I'm physically, well, Job, you know, right. uh, this is not the way God intended life to be. This is not what he would define as flourishing. You know, so you can absolutely see how that would be a song, you know, like, like, like American slaves, you know, 
singing mm-hmm. that song because they're in a horrible situation. Right, this is right. not what God designed. Yeah. And so, yeah, get me out of here, you know? Yes, and it's tr- true to the human experience and yet to take it as a... Right, I think what we're saying is ultimately God's desires for us not to be a floating spirit, but for us to be have an embodied existence. And yes. Jesus models that by you know, affirming, yeah, mm-hmm. this this physical reality stuff, it's good. I made that. Yeah, we're, we're back to <laughs> honoring God with your body. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's not just a sexual thing. Yeah, absolutely. But, but you, you, because Jesus embodied, he broke up that whole dualistic idea that somehow the flesh is evil and the mm-hmm. spirit is good. No, no, no. You know, that's, that shatters that whole philosophy. Exactly. Yeah, that's so... That's so significant. It's uh that that's another one of the the themes in uh in biblical anthropology that we we really wrestle with. Mm-hmm. We are we get so weird when it comes to <laughs> you know we, we and it's, it's it's what makes us we 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 talked a lot about the humanity of Jesus early on in the Gospel of mm-hmm. Luke. It's what makes us so uncomfortable with Jesus's humanity is our humanity and mm-hmm. our discomfort yes. with it. Yes. Um, but I want to I want to uh, link back in with a with a strand here about consumerism in America and how we so are, are so quick to view ourselves as consumers because there there was something you said on Sunday um, that uh, God entrusts things to us not so that we can just consume them mm-hmm. you know that it's not focused on us but so that we can steward them mm-hmm. I wondered as we're you know thinking a little bit more about being a trustworthy steward, could you compare and contra- contrast these mm. ideas of God entrusted something to me to consume, to be a consumer versus mm-hmm. God entrusted something to me to be a steward? Yeah. Um, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, um, is the actual, the, the land of Israel, mm. um, by, uh, comparing the, the Jordan river, which flows, you know, from Mount Hermon and in, in the, the mountains up of Northern Israel and down into the Sea of Galilee, and it feeds the Sea of Galilee, it forms the Sea of Galilee, and then the water runs out of the Sea of Galilee, and the Jordan River continues. And so the, the Sea of Galilee is full of life, and mm-hmm. people fish there and get fed there, and and it, it provides you know water, which is you know so important for life. It's just a picture right. of life, right? Water flowing in, water flowing out. Then the de- the that continues to flow down into the Dead Sea, and because the Dead Sea is where the the, the life-giving water of the Jordan River flows in, but doesn't flow out. There's no outlet for the Dead Sea. And so it, it flows in and then dies there. And that's such a great picture of stewardship. Where, you know, the, the river of life, God himself flows into us, giving us everything we need. And if we're going to be a Sea of Galilee, let that water flow in and then give to others. Let it flow out to others. Yeah, Be good stewards of that water. Be a conduit then it can feed and bless others. But if we keep it to ourselves, we just consume it, we don't share, we don't give, whether it's the gospel, whether it's money, or whether it's food, or whether it's time, whatever it is, we just consume, then it dies in us mm-hmm. and we become a dead sea. So right there in the land of Israel is this you know, phenomenal illustration of stewardship. Let's be Sea of Galilee people versus Dead Sea people. And it's, it's, you know, a constant reminder. This is what happens when, when you know the goodness of God flows in but does not flow out. Yeah, and you, you can you know extrapolate that all kinds of different things. You know, we talked about the being good stewards of the gospel. If if the gospel only comes to me for me to enjoy, then it's not the gospel that God intended. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've used the line before that the gospel came to us so that it could go to someone else. Yeah, and. Um, 
so you know the truth of the gospel the the goods of the gospel the uh the blessings of god uh the truth that we learn you know um to share with others all these things are meant to come to us uh for us to enjoy and then pass on mm-hmm. and so we are not just consumers yeah. know, we're contributors and yeah. we're those who can if we wanted to use the C word instead of consumers, we're conduits, you know, <laughs> and so the water can flow through, the truth can flow through, the gospel can flow through, yeah. whatever God entrusts to us can flow through us to someone else. Mm-hmm. And that includes, of course, something we talked about last week, which is our spiritual gifts. Yes, yes. And this is a huge, Good. back in the adventure of trust, when we had seven weeks to talk about being a trustworthy steward, mm-hmm. one of the main themes that we hit in one of the weeks was this this concept of how we've been entrusted with gifts by the Spirit, mm-hmm. and that we should use those gifts in the context of the body of Christ. To edify, to build up the body, yeah. And that's, to me, that concept is what gives me courage to use my spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. because if if they're not actually my gifts, and they're things that God has yeah. that He gives, right. you know, whenever I get nervous to, you know, preach or teach or, or to, to use my <laughs> spiritual gifts in some way, I will often pray, well, God, these are your gifts. So you use them, yes. you know, use them if you want to. And if not, then I'll go, yeah. you know, be a fool for Jesus. You know, I'm, I'm okay to be out of my mind if, you know, if it's for their sake, yes. you know, that, those sorts of things. Um, yeah. And so then uh, in, in the midst of all those things, uh, one of the application points in your sermon had to do with generosity mm-hmm. and leaning into you know, because things are not ours and because we shouldn't hold things with closed hands, but rather with open hands and, and be willing to, um, you know, follow the Lord as he leads us to, uh, let, let go of things. Uh, and you told some funny stories about couches and love seat combinations and those sorts of things. (laughs) Um, yeah, but when it comes to generosity, which is, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithful, gentleness. No, it's it's not a fruit of the spirit, no, but it not, is certainly not by name, but it certainly is by you know, whatever the word I'm looking for is. Um, it's it's definitely a fruit of the spirit. It's just yeah. not named in Galatians five twenty two. Right, and so as we're thinking about generosity, one of the questions I had, and maybe this is a practical one, so it's a good one to close on, is is it possible for us to be too generous, mm. or to be overly wow. generous, or to be you know, when, when we when we talk about because a lot of times people with sensitive consciences, when we talk about trustworthy stewardship, they'll be like, all right, well, you know what? I'm going to go home and I'm never going to, you know, I'm going to give everything away and I'm going to empty my bank account. And, you know, I don't know. I don't want to discount that because maybe, you know, maybe God is calling somebody to do that. Yeah. But is it possible to to overstep in that sense? Um, yes, I think it is. But that's so situational. Yeah. Um because if we're catching the real spirit of generosity and the real spirit of stewardship, everything I have belongs to God. Okay. So I'm to be a good steward of how I practice generosity. Mm-hmm. Am I being generous or am I squandering, you know, giving away, you know, Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine. So you don't just give everything away unless, right. unless that's what people need, but just, you know, giving it away for no other reason than just to, to give it away. That's called squandering, uh, giving away without uh, any sense of direction from God or without any sense of blessing, without any sense of purpose, just, you know, throwing things away. That's not generosity. That's squandering. So, mm. so yes, I think, I do think it's possible, but I think 
that's a very rare person who struggles yeah. with that. And most of us struggle with the other spectrum. Yeah. Um, but keeping in mind that, you know, even as I give, even as I'm being generous, I'm being, I'm, I, I remember I'm a steward. So it's not just the generosity. It's how am I being generous? Um, and, and what am I doing with what God's given me? That, that's the big question. What do you do? What are you doing with what God's given you? Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line question. Yeah. So I think you can be a, uh, it's possible to be a, a bad steward in generosity, but rare. Yeah, right. Because, you know, another really popular phrase is you can't outgive God. Right. I would, I would agree with that. You know, God is, um, you know, he, he's, he's not, he, he's a God of infinite blessing. You know, he, he lives in a, in a set setting of abundance where we tend to think of things scarcity. in terms of scarcity. Right. So we're not going to be able to outgive God. And yet, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's possible to dishonor, you know, your wife, or if you're, if you're giving away something that really isn't yours to give away, sure. it's like, okay, well that's, yeah. What was going on there? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? yeah. uh, those sorts of things, which, uh, I think, I think you're right in that, um, you know, that, that's not something typically that we would struggle with, although we are people of extremes. Mm-hmm. And so I think we tend to one extreme or the other. Yeah. You know, it's the story of the prodigal son is a fascinating story because, mm-hmm. you know, as the prodigal son is, spending money on all of his friends in order to make friends, he's squandering the father's inheritance. Right. He's being generous and yet he's squandering. Exactly. Yeah. And then there's also the picture of this one person has said the story, it shouldn't be called the prodigal son. when the prodigal means extravagant, mm-hmm. extravagant to the point of waste, uh, the story should be called the prodigal father because ah. as he, wastes his money on his son, hmm. his elder son is like, that is you know, wasteful. That son of yours abandoned you, wished you were dead, because whenever you ask for your father's inheritance while he's still alive, you're basically wishing, I wish you were dead. You're saying, I wish you were dead. Mm-hmm. And so the father gives him that, and the older son is like, that's wasteful. Don't don't buy a, you know, kill the fatted calf for him. Don't celebrate him. You know, you're being overly extravagant. You're being wasteful. You're being a prodigal father. Mm-hmm. And we, I think we think prodigal means, you know, Wayward or, ran away yeah. from home, mm-hmm. but prodigal means extravagant Interesting. to the point of wasteful. Yeah. Um, and that is why I'm one of these guys that actually kind of likes the song reckless love because, because <laughs> in my mind, I, I'm, I'm, he's not being reckless in that uh, he's, you know, doesn't care. It's that he's being reckless and he doesn't care what people think about him. God loves us unconditionally. And that fa- the story of the prodigal son and the st- story of the extravagant father is a picture of that, uh, that, that, that reckless love. And I know people have really struggled with it. And yes, mm-hmm. you can make it sound like God is a, you know, a, a, a reckless person and, you know, uncaring and, you know, has no sense of direction. But, yeah. but I, I think Corey Asbury, who wrote that, I think he was just trying to, to shock us with the extravagance of mm-hmm. God's love. And I, th- and I think also the unashamed, you know, God is unashamed in that extravagance. Mm-hmm. And that's what the song, at least to me, communicate. I also love the song. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we, have, have we talked about this before? The, the, what's, like, the reckless love? Yeah. I don't think so. It's like, it's like one of my favorite me too. songs. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm picking up a guitar, that's one of like four songs I will play. Yeah. And uh, that e- surprises e- me because we're, we're theologues and, yeah. 
most people who are think theologically <laughs> are, they hate that song. I know. <laughs> all my all my friends that I used to be in a band with, that worship band, were so surprised when I came out in favor of it. It's, it might be that we understand the extravagance of God's love better than they do. Well, yeah, I I'd like to think that. I would like to think that as well. Although you know, you have too. Your God is too small. But uh, even the, the, the rest of the language. Uh, it you know your love chases me down, yeah. fights the oh, leaves the ninety nine. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you love me anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to have Pierce do that song sometime soon. I know that's right. That's right. You, well, you can't do it while I'm gone. I cannot promise that because I want to be there. It's been so long since we've done it. That's true. That's true. Oh man. Yeah, we've already got a closing song for this week, so that's too. I might have to change it. Yeah, I know. But anyhow. um, well, mm-hmm. this is this has been a, gr- a great uh, conversation, and in a lot of ways, uh, <laughs> even in your sermon, you, you you mentioned how the the T of the Christ acronym can be a great summary for the whole of the Christ acronym. Yes, yes. Uh, and and so with the C being connected to God through the Word of Prayer, that's you know the the foundation, vibe, the, the foundation yeah. and yet. Uh, all of life is is this attempt to honor God with the time that we've been given, with mm-hmm. the opportunities we've been given. Yeah. And so I wondered, um, I'm going to grab the mug. It's too far for me to reach it from here without doing an unflattering gesture. So <laughs> I'm going to like get up and go grab it. But do you want to share anything as sure. we're kind of closing up the series and we get ready to do the last drawing mm. of the What's Your Next Step hoodie <laughs> that you would want to share with folks as we're kind of wrapping things up? Yeah. Uh, very similar to what I said in the in the sermon. Just don't let this become something that you only did in the excursion. That you only were concerned about finding your next step in the excursion, but that it would become a culture. It would become a lifestyle of you continually asking, "What's my next step? What's my next step?" And and I think as we do that, that is being a trustworthy steward of what God's given us. He's given us an ability to make a next step. And so, you know, really that, that T summarizes so much. If I am living connected to God through the word and prayer, I'm being a trustworthy steward of God's word. Uh, you know, if I'm uh, developing a heart of worship, you know, I'm being a, a trustworthy steward of God's uh, revelation to me of his character, that I'm worshiping him, that I am, that I'm living for him. So that's what it means to live a, have a heart of worship. And you just go right down through that acronym uh, each one of those, as we l- l- pursue those, as we continue to take our next step in there, we're being a trustworthy steward of all that God's given us. Yeah, And uh, I would encourage people, as I did in the sermon, uh, make that a, a motto. You know, what's my next step? What's my next step? I'm always looking for my next step. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and for one person their next step is to uh receive a what's your next step hoodie so this will this will be a fun way for us to wrap up this seven weeks here we go and the person is andrew holland andrew holland hey buddy way to go congratulations andrew <laughs> you are now one of few proud owners of a what's your next step hoodie i will be connecting with you andrew to get you a what's your next step hoodie uh man uh this has been so much fun and uh i can't wait to see andrew with that on (laughs) yeah uh any any last thoughts jim as we as we close up 
Well, Andrew is, can I say something about Andrew is a guy who lives his life in this way. I, he's, a, he's, so, he's so serious about walking with God mm-hmm. and taking this seriously. So uh, we need more people like Andrew who are pursuing uh, being a, a trustworthy sort of all that God's giving, pursuing Christ-likeness. That's and, right. and so also, let me, so it's not about Andrew. Let me, let me just leave this, this last thought. Um, anytime we talk about becoming more like Christ at church, anytime we talk about the Christ-like acronym, we are talking about the purpose for which we're created. Yes. This is not a side thing. This is the reason why God made us. And so if you're not experiencing joy and pursuing Christ, then maybe you're, you've misunderstood what it means to pursue Christ, because this is where the adventure is. This is where the joy is. This is where the intrigue is. This is where life is. Absolutely. Is any anytime we take a step towards becoming more like Christ. And, and also, I need to keep reminding people, when we are becoming more like Christ, we're not, I'm not becoming less of Jim Minling. You're not right. becoming less of Clay. You're actually becoming more of Clay. I'm becoming more of who God made me to be. Yes. So in becoming more like Christ, that mm-hmm. is the way that I maximize all that God has created me to be. Absolutely, That's a cool thing. Yes. Yeah. There's a, there's so much truth in that, that, you know, when God created Jim and when God created Clay, he had something in mind and yet sin has distorted that and marred that. And so as we become more free from sin, more like Jesus and and living the ways that he lived, that's when we're, we're, we're becoming the kind of tool that God had, had intended. The dream that he Um, had. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if you're uh, newer to the cutting room floor or if you're newer to Church of the Open Door or if you're newer to life groups, uh, you'll recall that at the beginning of this excursion, we really encouraged everyone to engage in a couple different things. We encouraged everybody to get into to a group of people, whether mm-hmm. that's a life group or a men's group or a women's group. Mm-hmm. Just so you know, uh, those are not exclusive to excursion. this excursion. That's right. uh, I would encourage you, we're, we're going to begin uh, creating and, and, and uh, producing our life group questions or our sermon discussion questions each week. And those will be sent out. They're available on our church app, which is available on both iPhone and Android. They'll be available uh, by email to all of our life group leaders. And so if you are, are enjoying having these conversations about what God is teaching in his word, you can continue having them. And I would encourage you, yeah. uh, don't let this seven weeks be the last uh, engagement that you have with a community of disciples keep on going in those practices. And then the second practice is the daily devotions, which mm-hmm. were printed in the excursion guides. Uh, and if you've been relying on the print excursion guides, but you've been loving your time in the word, we have an email system. So if you, if you text the word emails to our church phone number, which is four, four, zero, three, two, three, four, six, four, four, you can get the daily devotions sent to your emails every day uh, at like four thirty in the morning. It's yeah. Four Oh one. I think it's my mind comes. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, and, and you can continue reading reading the scriptures along with Pastor Jim and I as we dig into what God has for us in this church. Mm. Just some final encouragements. You know, we, we want to continue to, you know, we want this to become a part of our culture, uh, engaging with community, uh, engaging with God's word yes. and asking one another what's, what's the next step. So uh, would you continue joining us on that adventure? Uh, and we'll we'll keep doing this as well. You know, we love to have these conversations, Amen. and uh, Amen. we'll we'll be back once again. Uh, we're we're trying to figure out about next week, uh, but we'll be back uh, maybe after a short break the following week, yeah. uh, having conversations about the word. So, yeah. we love you guys. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll sign off for now. 
Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.